Yeah, well, I make everything sad, except for cancer. Which you are just the light in the room when it comes to cancer. (laughs) (laughs) And there are a plethora of cancer jokes. This this is the second Colton goes away. Apparently our content really gets dark, even more so than I thought I could. I'm I'm honestly impressed. Who knew he was the stabilizing element? Make sure you're getting enough poutine. I really have to be careful about it. <laughs> Do you have like a, a weekly quota, quota of poutine you can get in Canada? No, you know, I thought it, I was afraid it was going to be a thing like that only Canadian, like it was just a tourist thing. I was like, surely Canadians don't actually eat this stuff. But everybody I meet, they're like, oh yeah, you going out to lunch? You want to grab me a poutine? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. Even with the accent, I love it. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's how they fucking talk, but like, you know, french version of it uh so so how far away are we from uh poutine vodka poutine vodka oh man now that you've mentioned it a couple weeks <laughs> god i love it. god bless right, you we're Canada. recording by the way guys I you're recording that, i got all that poutine goodness <laughs> good <laughs> Well, good. I'll do the drop. This is the Still Talking Podcast, our reverent distilling industry podcast with Colton Zeno, myself, Brian, and our very special guest today, Matt Strickland, who is filling in for uh, Colton. I had to remember who the hell he was filling in for. Uh, Colton is in D.C. with uh, ACSA doing their board meeting and the final round of FET extension pushes, begging, pleading. Uh, Yeah, they're basically uh, they're dictating what's going on in D.C. right now. It's a lot of begging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's getting real. We're calling that. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot of begging. Damn it! <laughs> I mean, I've been one of those things. It is, it is getting on your knees and begging. Yes, yes, we were all thinking about the same yep. sexual joke. <laughs> we yeah, we were. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Kevin uh, Brady is is not that grateful. <laughs> no, no, he's not. <laughs> Wayne, but Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady is very attractive. (laughs) All right, listener, our good friend Matt here. He is a distiller, writer, uh, all around good guy. He currently resides in Canada, but you were uh, not too recently in DC as well. Give us a little bit of your. I was in DC. Yeah, I was running um, a facility there. I used to work in Nashville. I've I've been everywhere. I don't know. I, I don't really talk about myself. So, yeah, I do stuff. Um, that's about it. Yeah. God, that was good. That was my favorite. Uh, yeah, I like that. That was a good boilerplate. Yeah. Well, there's few. There's very few people that in my life that are part of my life now that go back further than Matt as far as this career goes. Um, so that's him and I have strong ties. As a matter of fact, Matt was the one who officiated my wedding. That's true. Oh, yep. That's really sweet. Yep. So, is it an actual binding wedding, yeah, Matt, yeah, yeah, or is no, it it's like totally is legit? It, okay, I'm pretty Check sure it. it is. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're the one that wants to get out of it. Sure, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we everyone uh, this conversation knows they married. Well oh, definitely. Interestingly enough, place. his wedding was not legit the day of. Uh, because they forgot to have me sign the uh, 
the, the marriage certificate. And I think it took a couple weeks. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's yeah, beautiful. Send it to you. That's the exact same thing right. happened at my wedding. And uh, we had to catch up with the, with the guy that did our wedding at like a Starbucks somewhere. So we always tell people we got married at Starbucks. Oh, romantic. Now, now you can do it at uh, Tim Hortons. All right. So you were a distiller in D.C., Kentucky. You were fucking all over the place. Tell us just a little bit about what you're doing in Canada now, because that's a big move. I mean, that you took your whole family, you moved to Canada, like all the shit. I Yeah, I stay pretty busy. Um, so I was offered to kind of head up this new malt whiskey farm distillery malting house kind of thing uh, right outside of Montreal. And we've got... We're not, it's not a huge farm, but we've got about 30 acres of land. We grow, grow our own barley and we've got our malting facility that I'm hoping to finally bring online sometime next year. And, um, yeah, we, we produce mostly malt whiskey. We do a little bit of gin and, and things like that. And we, we just actually launched the gin like two weeks ago. Um, and, uh, and that's been going really well. But, uh, aside from that, um, you know, you, you guys, I, I write for a lot of folks, uh, including you. So people that have read Arts and Spirit in the past year have probably seen some of my pieces and uh, uh, the Tiller Bog and uh, Whiskey Wash and things like that. And if, uh, if you're an IBD member and you take the uh, you take the examinations, I probably grade your examinations, too. So, um, yeah. So. You say you're doing, is it, is the main motive is all malt whiskeys? Is that what you doing at this distillery? Yeah, that's, that's the primary thing that we're working on. It's all malt whiskeys. Um, it's really, I, I mean, we work with our own barley, um, but I've recently had to start purchasing barley from outside of our farm. So it all comes from Quebec, but I, I keep that, those lots completely separate. And I think the, the, the big thing for us is the the barrel program. So we're uh, we're laying everything down and and use bourbon casks and and use sherry casks, but uh, laying some stuff down and um, uh, use port casks and and not just doing finishing, but actually aging the whiskey in these barrels um, to really kind of see what happens. And uh, I know I know there are a few distilleries doing that, but but not many. And so, so it's kind of exciting to see what happens. Uh, uh, I've got uh, Jamaican rum barrels. I've got uh, brand new Japanese oak barrels that cost me more money than I'm willing to admit. And uh, uh, <laughs> we've got PX Sherry. We've got, um, I just got some Armagnac and Calvados barrels in. I have some Amaro barrels that I'm looking forward to filling. Uh, some Marsala casks. So yeah, there's, there's all kinds of stuff that we're, we're just looking, you know, I think finishing is a lot of fun. I think it's really interesting. Uh, but uh, I think uh, I, I'm really kind of curious to see what some of these barrels do over a period of five to 10 years. So is this, do you have like multiples of each one of those barrels? Is the intent to, yeah, to blend, yeah. blend do a profile with all these? I mean... A lot of those will be sort of like one-off projects or, you know, we it's, it's a lot... A lot of it's just to have sort of um, a flavor palette to play with, and we can we can do all sorts of things. And the goal is to hopefully, you know, I'll I'll take the barrels that I got this year, and I will try to get similar casts next year, so that I can kind of continue all these different barrel types down the line. Um, 
so that it's not just a one-off, but maybe it's like a seasonal release or something like that. The Japanese oak barrels were about 10 times the price of a used bourbon cask, literally. So um, actually, that's conservative. It was probably closer to 15 times. Uh, and uh, so I only purchased two of them. Well, they're huh? trees. Yeah, they're, tre- they're trees are like the youngest ones. Are like oh, yeah. No, they're, they're they're insane. And they leak like crazy. And the, so the staves are, are, are uh, probably one and a half times what you would normally see in a, in a standard uh american oak stave so the staves are super thick um the a lot of coopers don't really know how to work with that with that kind of oak and so yeah they're they're a pain and plus the oak doesn't leave japan that often so to even get it was sort of a was sort of a miracle and uh yeah so i I was pretty lucky but um yeah we got them filled up and they're they're aging whiskey right now so you know That's exciting. What's your facility look like? You have tasting room. You doing kind of controlling the local market. What's what's the so we have a yeah we've got a tasting room. Uh, we are sort of unofficially slash officially open right now. Okay. Uh, as of like a week ago, we're just kind of letting friends, family, and just people that sort of hear about us word of mouth. We haven't really told many people we're open. Um, like the government you haven't told them yeah, yeah no the government up here is uh, is a lot stricter so yeah they they do they they know everything that we do um uh, but uh yeah no it's it's uh yeah we've got a tasting room i've i've got like i said a full-on malting facility floor malting facility on site um with a kiln and and if i could find decent source for peat we, we could actually smoke our own peat but uh Nice. Um, yeah, Canada sits on, uh, is particularly Quebec sits on one of the largest peat deposits in the world, but I can't find anybody that's willing to harvest it the way I want it harvested. So, uh, so that's been kind of a challenge. But I, I have a working kiln that I can do unpeated malt pretty easily. So uh, it's just, but right now it's just me. So, <laughs> uh, so I haven't started malting anything yet. That does. Right, that puts some limitations on your time. What's the uh, distilling environment like in Canada right now? We before we started recording, you had mentioned that the taxes are pretty damn high on the federal level. Like, how many active distilleries are you looking at in Canada and with? That's a good question. I think a lot of like? them are sort of, a lot of them are focused around Ontario and British Columbia, especially BC. Um, there, I think that province is doing really well. I think per capita, Canada actually has more distilleries, more active distilleries than the United States does. Um, we have about a tenth of the population, or less than a tenth of the population, that the U.S. does. But we've got something over 300 distilleries. Um, so, and last I checked... Is there a distilling trade association up there? Yeah, there's a few of them, but... Uh, we haven't. They seem to be primarily geared towards some of the larger, like the larger companies. Like Diageo is is two hours away from me, um, sure. and they've got several facilities throughout Canada, um, with uh, Crown Royal and um, yeah. I think they make yeah they make they make a little bit of whiskey yeah they make a little bit of whiskey gotcha. they um, they make the, the a lot of the North American version of Gordon's up of up here um gosh you know what's you know what's pretty you know what's pretty wild there's like uh, you know i don't know how it works on your side of things but when i was at the big boys down here there's a big trade for canadian whiskey 
because they use it for blending like uh you talk about like flavored whiskeys and whatnot a lot of those are a recipe and some of it is they use blended canadian whiskey so it's a it's a blending component oh yeah 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 it's it's yeah it's huge um so it's I, I yeah I think it's, I think it's kind of interesting. I I I was I remember I did a I did an article for Brewer Distiller International the the IBD um, magazine uh, a couple months ago and they had sent me down when I was when I was teaching a class in Louisville. They're like, oh, would you mind going down to the new Bullet Plant? And I said, yeah, sure. You know, and so I got hooked up with them, and you know, that's one of the, the Diageo brands and, uh, and, you, I go and you said, no, no, I hate lesbians. I'm going to cut that out. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is he still doing that? Oh my God. Is that, is uh, that still a thing? I, I, I don't know. It, it was real ugly. Oh, I'm sure. Was, I'm sure I heard about it. I just, it, I just didn't know if it was still happening. <laughs> I, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't followed that one as much because it has gotten real ugly. Um, I don't it know. seemed like it's, it kind of it was a big thing for for a little bit, and then it sort of faded away. So, um, I think I think that she is still trying. Mm, there's still I'm I'm pretty sure there's still some litigation going on, but uh, I, yeah, I don't that's know that kind of thing too. I, and I'm okay with talking about it to be honest with you because it's all public. It's all out there. Yeah, exactly. I have never met anybody, and I have I have a few few friends and and a, you know. A, a mentor from Diageo and I I've never met anybody from that company that, you know, I would, I would describe thinking that way, but um, I don't know. It's, it sounds like uh, she's, she's very angry. Maybe she's right. I, I hope she's not. But, I well, mean, it's with, it's with her dad. So yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, there's, there's you know, some, there's some, well, and there's bitter... some real heavy accusations. Like it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it got, it was like, they don't like me because I'm gay to sexual abuse to, it got like, it, it's, oh yeah, I no. I remember. I yeah, I remember seeing something about the sexual abuse thing. I'm like, that's, yeah, this is getting really, really ugly, really quick. So. Yeah, it, it, it eclipsed our, you know, our ignorance that we, we let's stick to booze, right? Like, you know, <laughs> right. That, we I mean, knew we were so dumb enough that we could yeah. not do it justice one way or the other. <laughs> right. Yeah. Besides the occasional off-color joke. <laughs> well, in that you hate lesbians. Like, I mean, it's clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, anyways, go on. You're totally gonna put that in the intro now, aren't you, Zeno? My god, (laughs) yep, that's 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 exactly what happened. Uh, so so I got down there. Um, Canada's changed you, man. (laughs) Yeah, you know, we we've got our prime minister was in blackface. I mean, it's just everything is different up here, you know, everything's different. Oh, yeah, that's true. Multiple times, no, multiple times, you know, I I will say this. I we were all kind of stunned by it, but we were really, I, I was actually, I was kind of proud of him. I was like, you know what? At least he's coming out and admitting to it. You know, like that's a, that's a good thing. Like, uh, he owned it. Oh yeah. He totally owned it. I yeah, just totally owned it. I just yeah. want to, I just want to point out that this podcast now has some of the best quotes yes, to take out yeah. of context to make you two look like monsters. You saying that Trudeau's blackface was great and everything Zeno's ever yeah. said. So yeah. those two things. I mean, your, your podcast is over after this episode. So, oh, oh, Matt, it never started. <laughs> it's okay. It's it's funny that you know you're from Nashville. And you had to go to Canada to have a problem with a guy in blackface. I know, right? Like that doesn't—that's the weird part. 
right? Uh, you know? <laughs> so you're down in Louisville. Yeah. You're down in Louisville. Anyway, I'm down in Louisville, and uh, so I, I'm getting to. I get a tour with their their head distiller, uh, Dwayne. I can't remember his last name. Anyway, uh, but Dwayne was uh, formerly from Manitoba, the the Gimli Diageo plant where Crown Oil is done. Um, and that was sort of the, sort of the thing, and I was kind of asking him about that, and he did a little bit of everything um, at, at Gimli, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I think Diageo has a has really invested quite a bit in uh, in their Canadian operations, particularly their whiskey and especially Crown Royal. <laughs> um, it's done really well for them, and uh, it's it is it is an insanely massive operation. Everything that they're doing, and and yeah, all the stocks that they trade and, and everything like that. All the same, though, Dwayne did say he kind of preferred living in Kentucky. Than Manitoba, so yeah, that's Manitoba, right? I yeah. can understand that. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's the most it's the most boring of the Great yeah. Plain provinces. So. That says a lot. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's real. Is it? I don't know. I've never actually been there. I, I say that's so like I actually know. I have no clue. Uh, no, I just imagine it's like Planet Hoth. That's what I imagine. Well, I was talking, he was like, how do you like the weather now that you've moved to Canada? I was like, oh, it's pretty cold. He was like, Manitoba's colder. And he, he gave me like this stone, like this, these dead stone eyes when he said it too, like, like he was a war vet or something. And I was like, man, I, I don't know if it's that serious, but yeah, I, I'll bet it's pretty cold, dude. Man, it's like 50 it degrees was, here now. And I was like, it's too cold. I'm too cold. <laughs> <laughs> No, we actually, man, I was actually surprised. We got up to, what was it? Uh, we got up to 10 degrees Celsius the other day. So Woo! that was, yeah, that, no, that was like snow melted. And then next day it dropped to 10 below zero and it promptly snowed. It replaced all the snow. It was like kind of Quebec was like, all right, we should just get rid of the old snow and let's, re let's refresh a little bit. <laughs> I So, you know, back to the whole Canadian whiskey thing. I love like macro Canadian distillation because it's a pretty sophisticated system and it's different. I, I would, I would suffice to say that their technology is they're a little more advanced. They're doing different techniques than they do in American whiskey. They're, no, they're doing some really cool stuff. Like just how they approach whiskey, I think is a really fascinating. Uh, I, I think it's a really fascinating approach. I think this whole idea that, you know, we take uh, I think from, coming from America where we have these, these really big bourbons and big rye whiskeys and, and all that. Uh, and then you, you, you look at Irish whiskey or Canadian whiskey, some of the lighter whiskey styles, and you're kind of like, ah, it's, it's light. It's not as exciting. And it's in a, in a weird way, it's, it's kind of analogous. I think sometimes to like the, the hop wars uh, with craft beer, you know, like the hoppier, the better the beer. Whereas, you know, I, I, sometimes I just like a, like a nice pilsner and you know and, and i think that that that's there's a lot to be said for for whiskey styles like irish whiskey and canadian whiskey because they are really delicate and nuanced and subtle in so many ways um but you know what they're starting with i think this this whole concept of like we are trying to start with this base spirit that is almost neutral and we are putting it in a barrel and and in some of the cast programs up here, I think, have gotten really advanced and they're doing some really cool things. They're doing all sorts of different types of barrels and and reuse. It's a lot of reuse too. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there is. And so it's it's 
it's kind of fascinating, like what they're doing. Um, and then, yeah, and then they go back and they blend in some of these other components and, and you might, you know, you might get some whiskeys that are, you know, 100% the, uh, the flavor component, you know, so the heavier rye whiskeys and things like that, or you might get, uh, you know, in the case of, uh, some of the higher end JP Weiser stuff, you might get 100% base whiskey, but those whiskeys are fantastic. You know, who'd have thought? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I mean, it can, in Canadian whiskey kind of gets a bad rap. Oh, it totally does. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. unfair. <laughs> no, it is. It's a good mainstay. What are what are coming to the spirits trends sweeping Canada right now? Mm. What's uh, gin? Gin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's gin. Um, it's because you, you you have all these small distillers, and so it's it's similar to to the distilling communities uh, across the world that have started popping up and, you know, most certainly including the United States where, yeah, like, what are you going to do? You, you're, you're laying whiskey down and unlike the United States, you know, here, uh, in, in Canada, where, uh, similar to a lot of the rest of the whiskey producing world there, you know, you have to, you have to age it for at least three years before you can even put the word whiskey on the bottle. Um, right. until then it's just, I think grain spirit or something like that, uh, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah. I mean, it, so what are you going to do? You're going to, you got to do something. Um, and a lot of people don't want to go through the process of making their own vodka. So they make gin, you know, they, they bring in neutral spirit from some of the big guys and redistill it and turn it into gin. And, um, and I think like a lot of other, uh, like a lot of other regions, it's, you you see some really great examples of gin and then you see some really poor examples as well i mean you know and, and i think um some of the not so stellar examples will probably get weeded out a little bit but uh you know it's it's an interesting thing in canada because i remember it, it kind of reminds me of living in oregon and i i think you know you'll you'll you can attest to this um you know living in oregon everybody in oregon if it's made in oregon they automatically buy it it's, oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> local vortex. Right. Local yeah, board. no, it's a total local board thing. The entire country of Canada is like that. It's, yeah, that. you know, it's it's just everybody buys buys local. So even if it's uh, even if it's British Columbia, even if it's BC. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> is provincially, yeah, there provincially there's a bit of a there's a you know there's some rivalries that go on. So uh, you know, Quebec is kind of the yeah, we're we're sort of the, one of the outsider provinces in a lot of ways, you know, because uh, we've got all these uh, French speakers here, and uh, you know, we're talking constantly, about seceding, constantly trying to you know. secede. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a, you know, we just we just elected a few more seats to uh, to to our government with the with the uh, Black Quebecois, which is the group that wants to secede. So, and now Alberta wants to leave. So Canada is just <laughs> interesting. Yeah. You better be careful. Trump's just going to come up and start buying provinces. No, so I, I mean, so you know, you call Canada the Great White North, and I don't. I want us to stop calling it that because I'm actually afraid that Trump is going to hear that phrase and want to move here. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, I think that's a fair. We're back. He's like, they're the prime minister has blackface. <laughs> it's the Great White North. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Sounds like a good idea. I'll buy it. 
Best idea. Is Canada for sale. Canada's got to be for sale. Yeah. So definitely, I will, I will make the best offer they can, they can ever have. Um, you guys joke, but I'm all for this. I think America should definitely buy Canada. Yeah, count me in. They could have. Yeah, I, mean, right. I don't want that to happen to Canada. <laughs> no, no. North America should suffer together. Um, yeah. I think it already happened a few years ago and just no one paid attention. There, there's a there's a gin I saw at Brooklyn Bar Convent from BC called Empress Gin, and they use that pea flower that changes with the color. I'm like, oh man, I'm like this is probably gonna work for a little bit just because it's you know purplish, bluish. Right. There's there've been a couple of distilleries that have done the uh, the butterfly pea flower color changing thing with their gins, and and somebody was asking me about that yesterday, and I they're like, what do you think about that? I said, eh, you know, if the gin's good. You know, it's, it's, yeah. yeah, but I think it's a gimmick, you know? Yeah, exactly. So do I, you know, it's going to work to a certain extent, yeah, right. Or it's going to catch on and then, then it's a thing. Yeah. Then all oh, of a sudden like it becomes clock. a new tradition, a new cultural norm, something, you know, innovative you can hang your hat on. All we have to do is make a white claw and use that pea flower in it. Now that oh, is an God. idea. A, a purple, did we all just get real claw? rich? We totally did, except <laughs> not literally. But we just we just have to do this before the podcast actually gets posted. I mean, yeah, there's no way that Rob's going to stop drinking White Claw, but we can <laughs> still at least sample test with him. <laughs> I've never actually had White Claw. I don't. I. I don't. I have no idea. It's exactly what you would think it would be. Vodka soda. No, there's it's uh, it's no it's, it's no spirit. It's yeah, it's malt liquor because yeah. for the tax reasons. Oh, okay, okay. Rob specifically made sure to point that out because I think one of us misspoke it's, on one of the podcasts. And, who did we get? It's it? like a wine. It's like a wine. Oh. It's the new wine. Kind of like a yeah, it, you know what it is or something it, like that. You know what it is? It's this generation yeah. Zima. Ah, okay. It's it's alcoholic mm. Lacroix. Ooh, yeah, that's actually a good. That's a pretty good descriptor. Which is, I mean, LaCroix is great. Like, people drink LaCroix. Is LaCroix great? I don't, we don't really get though? LaCroix here, uh, so I don't. Sure. Despite the French sounding name, we don't Which is it. ironic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We only get LaCroix. <laughs> yeah. We have our own versions. Oh, Canada. Uh, uh, full disclosure, I can make these, I can make frog jokes because uh, my my grandfather's last, he's Florian Desrochers. Oh, well, there you go. Quebec. So I'm I'm only a couple generations. So that totally gives you yeah. the leeway to be a big. I could be a total piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't feel like I knew a black. I knew a black guy once. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. Oh yeah. god. Oh god. Yep. Yep. All right. So you're doing you're doing this malting. You're trying to get your malt house up. I know we kind of talked about it offline, I don't know, via text or something. And I know you wrote an article recently about it, but ethyl carbamate, right? Yeah, yeah, I did some ethyl carbamate. That was a weird thing, too, because I did that for, uh, what was it, Distiller Mag or something like that? Yeah, ADI's magazine. And um, I had sent that in. I wrote that article like over a year ago. And uh, I sent it in, and then they just kind of sat on it until recently. And they were like, "Oh, hey, we just came across this piece. Would you mind us?" I said, "Yeah, go ahead, publish it." But um, yeah, I, 
I, I'm actually, and, I, and I'm working on some material for IBD right now that kind of deals with ethyl carbamate as well. So I had to go back and look at my old research and everything for it. But uh, that's not something, ethyl carbamate is not something that really gets discussed all that much in the United States, though, from what I remember. It's it's not now. It was back in the eighties, yeah. Whatever Canadian scientist, yeah, right. When he came up to, but like, I mean, at Beam, it was one of the biggest things. Oh, bad, yeah. Was ECs, right? And uh, but it's something now, especially with the resurgence of you know American single malt and what different breeds there are. It's theoretically bred out, right? but only that's only validated in your right opinion. so that's the thing is i don't know i don't know yeah. if uh yeah. if american grain suppliers or american grain growers are testing for it and or at least testing for the you know which one is full pint remember full pint oh right yeah 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 they at them. oregon state yeah. Oh, yeah that's cool um they yeah, should be testing pint. for it they should be um there is technically well the united states they have like a voluntary like maximum level uh of 125 ppm i think uh or is it ppm is it considered a carcinogen at a certain level so it's weird yes. it's the, it's a it's considered a potential carcinogen they actually don't know okay. right no. and they've never but they found it yeah everyone knee jerked reaction it, back in exactly like so they just sort of they they just sort of panicked and they've kind of erred on the side of caution and it's probably not a bad thing because i think what they found was that it caused cancer in rats but um i don't know everything causes cancer in rats i mean xeno definitely causes I, cancer in rats. yeah i mean we found <laughs> yeah. that to be true that's just xeno nice. no at like yeah. one I, part I actually... for xeno is cancer so <laughs> oh that got dark <laughs> yeah it's funny because i have a weird blood disease it's like I'm not going to wake up tomorrow. Uh, Man, Canada has <laughs> changed you, Matt. My God. Yes, I like it. No, no. No, no. He's always been this terrible. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. There you go. This see? is why he's one of my um, closest friends. See, it's all fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's this idea that uh, – and, there, and there's all these – so I, I think the, the big question comes up, well, uh, so we know it's bad um, for spirits and it's bad for consumers, so how do you prevent it? And there, one of the questions is, well, you know, how can you prevent it inside the still? And some of the research shows that, you know, copper can actually in, help remove it. But then other research shows that it actually causes right. its formation, on the phase, so, though, right? uh, which is what I wrote about in the article yeah. primarily. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the biggest thing with ethyl carbonate, and, and honestly, it, the uh, the spirits that tend to be more prone to it are uh, fruit spirits, especially the stone fruits, uh, so peaches, plums, uh, cherries, anything like that. Um, the the pits uh, of those fruits, if they're cracked open, have high amounts of the precursor. Um, but then uh, also, interestingly enough, a lot of sugarcane spirits, cachaça is actually one of the biggest offenders. Um, yep. So a lot of cachaça actually exceeds the supposed legal threshold in Brazil. Uh, but uh, people still drink it. Year of rum. 
Yeah. Year of rum. Year of rum. Yeah, we say it every year. (laughs) Every Uh, year. So, so I know Matt, you, because of what you, the, the, your masters that you were doing at Oregon state, we, you and I are both partial to fruit. We love fruit. So I, if I was a quarterback, I know that they have some of the best apples in the entire world to work with. Have you gotten to work with any apples? No, it's actually interesting uh, up here in Quebec because we have something like 70 cideries here, over 70 cideries. That's a lot. I mean, actually, for one area. Um, yeah, at the time. But uh, the ones that are nearest me tend to focus on one variety of apple, and that's Macintosh. And yep. Yeah, I know. So that's yeah, that's that's the reaction I had too. Um, they're, they're they're some of the ciders are okay, but most of them are a little dull. It's it's sort of a missed opportunity, if you ask me. Um, it, it's funny you mention that because I was actually just talking to my family that has a bunch of orchards up in Orville, which is like four miles south of the Canadian border with British Columbia and Washington State, which is obviously known yep. for apples, kind of went through that phase too, where Basically, they were known for red delicious and, you know, golden delicious. And then those those markets pretty much just tanked. And so people converted to grapes or cherries or really for quite a while, there was a lot of these old heritage, you know, orchards that weren't producing apples. But then they've kind of jumped on the bandwagon now and have started doing, well, I guess, you know, it was decades ago they started or I should say about a decade ago, they started experimenting with different types. And now I think this December, they've just released the Cosmic Crisp, which is a new one, which is uh, something they've specifically bred and built up. And then the Honey Bee is another one. So there's all these different kind of apple strains now in Washington State where they're trying to almost recapture that glory. And I've tried them. They're actually really freaking good. I have no idea how they convert on the cider or the uh, brandy side, but it's really, I'm, I'm curious to see if they could be converted into something because they have some monumental sugar content so i don't know are they good eating yes they're, they're good they're, eating, and they're probably shit for cider and bread. that's exactly it that's kind of the problem is a lot of times when they're really good eating they do not convert well you know to an actual cider but i i don't know i don't know it's interesting it could be interesting marketing i'm sure someone somewhere is going to try it historically though i mean there's in quebec there were great cider apples like a we call them crab apples here in the u.s oh yeah yeah right again they're you know they're gross like you don't eat them but they made great ciders and there are a bunch of different varietals and i had this book at one point i think i still might have it 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 broke down titratable acidity and sugar and it, it did a whole bunch of analytics on different varietals and apples and it broke down like virginia and uh french obviously and then quebec so I was like, I've always been fascinated with Quebec apples. Yeah, we we have. I think we have an interesting opportunity here. It's something that we have we have, as a company we have talked about getting into, um, maybe messing with some apples. I mean, our our primary focus is is our farm and what what we can grow off of it. But I my contract actually I had kind of had that negotiated in where I get two weeks out of the year I can do whatever I want. Um, so yeah, it's okay. yeah, but, I mean, you know, fuck them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we've, we've discussed that a bit and, and it's interesting because yeah, we are, we, we're very close to the new England States and we actually share a lot of food and beverage history 
with um, with the New England United States, and uh, so you know Maine and uh, Vermont and Massachusetts, and we we have. I think we we do grow a lot of those apples. I think we do, but unfortunately, just a lot of the cideries around me have just kind of focused on more mass produced kind of apples. But uh, yeah, traditionally. You should have things, uh, you know, they call them, there's, uh, they say there's four varieties of, of cider apples. And you want generally a mixture of the four. You want um, sharps, which are high in acid. You want um, bitter sharps, which are um, high in tannin, but also high in acid. You want uh, bitters, which are, you know, high in tannin and, um, let's see, oh, and sweets, which are just high in sugar. Um, and, uh, I think that's it. And there's some, I may have screwed that up, but in any case, you want these combinations of all these uh, uh, tannin and, and acid. And even with a distilled spirit, I think uh, it makes for a much more interesting uh, fermentation. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, I spent that 17 days in Calvados and I'm like, oh, yeah, no. It with right. It would. Like, and those guys are, those guys are nuts because, yeah. you know, absolutely. a lot of the, a lot of the Calvados distilleries are, uh, you know, are also cider makers and they might take some of their cider and turn it into Calvados and in some years and some years they may not. It just kind of depends. But, you know, they'll do these fermentations that, you know, they harvest in the late fall sometimes and it's too cold and they just kind of let things go and stuff will sit in the tank and, you know, ferment well for a couple of weeks and then it gets really cold in the room. The tanks aren't controlled uh environmentally in any way so the yeast kind of settle out for a couple months during the winter and then all of a sudden it starts to warm up again so some of these some of these fermentations end up taking you yeah right they're long that's wild and they do weird things to to sweat them to to drive pectins and like they do crazy techniques i'm like oh man i never thought of that that makes a lot of sense and it's my favorite one that i went to matt was uh it was like a married couple that owned their own farm and they had a, a beautiful bladder press. Like I just always think about that day that I walked up on you and Colton trying to operate that new bladder press. And it was just a mess, right? And, uh, and it was, it was like, it looked almost like that, but this, this lady, she made amazing ciders and then all of her spirits, she didn't make any spirit. She wasn't the distiller. They were all done by a mobile distiller. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who had recently died? Oh, <laughs> like right before I got there, and I was it got like, dark. Well, I'm like, man, I gotta buy, I gotta, I gotta buy some bottles, right? And I have, a, I have a little bit left of one bottle, and I'm like, Alyssa and I drank it the other night, and I'm like, you know what's cool about this bottle? It's uh, probably like the only one of its kind in this country. Right? No, it probably is. There's a lot of, I mean, but, there's a lot of those like little small farm distilleries and. And yeah, they're not really distilleries. They just have these these sort of traveling itinerant distillers that, you know, mm-hmm. they they bring um, they bring essentially a cognac or an armagnac still along with them, um, right. and they they run the cider through, and you know, they might they'll they'll give food to the distiller and let them sleep somewhere, and boom, you know, he's gone after a couple. Of days. 
there's a whole ecosystem for that there. I know there's up in BC they'll they'll bring a mobile yeah. juicer through so that like a lot of times they'll actually do that. They'll take the coals, they'll do their, their juicing. And then later on, you know, they'll, like you said, they'll make the cider and then someone else will come along either the same person or a whole different, you know, small group will come with a mo like you said, a mobile still unit kind of in a modular setup, run it there, do their thing and then move on. And it's kind of this seasonal, uh, like most gypsy distilling style. It's kind of amazing. No, it is. And unfortunately in France, it's sort of a, it's sort of a dying trade. Uh, you, the the guys that are doing it are are getting older, and and you know the these the young whippersnappers are not interested. So they, you know, they... hey, I will go and drive around because uh, they what they were doing is a mobile like sharing thing, right? Like, and I will go do that for the rest of my life, <laughs> and I will go from farm to farm, and they can feed me or whatever i'll find yeah you can come in you can give all the rats cancer in the local area kill those (laughs) off you can uh make a bunch of booze and then move on to the next farm i think it's a genius plan does everyone want cancer because i know you ever see the kids in the hall episode like Um, yeah obviously a long time ago but they did this sort of like public service announcement and one of the characters gets up and he says uh he says i just want to issue a public apology it's very exciting though we have found the cure for cancer Unfortunately, we've also found the source. It's Bruce. And they just point to Bruce McCullough. <laughs> and he just comes out. He's like, hello. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Bruce McCullough might be the best kid in the hall. Yeah. Too. I mean, <laughs> Which also, really? that, was, yeah. that was a Canadian production, right? It was. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's full Ontario. circle. That's Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> it all comes back to Canada with you guys. <laughs> it really does. Whatever. I love kids in the hall. I love kids Who in the hall. Who wouldn't love kids in the hall? Movies. I don't know. 30 Helens agree. Yeah, 30 Helens um, agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to bring it back. So we went off a little apple tangent there because this is self-serving and I wanted to talk Apples, apples. are delicious. But um, mm-hmm. but uh, so we are in the uh, final hours of FET tax reduction, right? Um, what is What is the tax system like in Canada? How does that impact you? Does that impact your Not, decision making? Well, do you get breaks because you're a farm? He has to give one of his kids with every yeah. production. It's, well, it's you know, which there. as Brian and I were talking about before we started recording, probably be okay. Um, <laughs> we love our kids. We love our kids. Love kids but um, <laughs> but sometimes it's just so hard, you know. Uh, they're just, they're just so loud. They're so loud. I love you, children. Oh. If you ever decide yeah. to listen to this, uh, anyway. Someday. So no, the taxes up here are actually yeah they're 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 pretty rough. Um, currently, most of the industry is taxed at eleven Canadian dollars per liter of absolute alcohol. So for your average bottle of whiskey, that means you're paying roughly around four anywhere from four to five dollars in tax per bottle i mean it's it's nuts um whereas i think in the states even before the before the fet reduction what it was around averaging around like two dollars and fourteen two dollars thirty cents something like that per bottle Depending on what the what the alcohol content was, um, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So, 
Right, because we use gallons. We use gallons down here. Yeah, you, right? you guys use proof gallons. I've had to, I've had to kind of break myself of that. Um, the- I'll be honest. I stopped listening to you when you said Canadian dollars. <laughs> I don't even know what you mean. I mean, they they, they call them loonies. Come on, do, you can't we, take anything seriously. Like a loony and a toonie. Who pays with two dollar? The only coins? people I've ever heard call them loonies are people that are not from Canada. But I also live in Quebec, so yep. that's yeah. a that's a whole other ball of wax, man. Uh, I think they take themselves way more seriously than anyone what, I ever knew. Yeah, Quebecers. Oh yeah, no, I I live where the rude yeah. Canadians are, which is saying a lot because even they are generally polite, as far as I can tell. No, they generally are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mostly what they do is they like standing really close to you. Close to if you're in line at the coffee shop or something like that, there's no personal space whatsoever. There could be nobody <laughs> behind the person behind you, but that person will be right up on your grill. Yeah, Americans, we really like our space. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, you gotta do the man spread, right? Yeah, I need a bubble. I'm a big dude as it is, and I need at least that plus half space around me. If you try to do that up here, they just think you're trying to hug them. I just remembered Canada has a whole like like spirits uh, benefit where everyone can drink at 19 there. You have an uh, earlier drinking it's, age. It's 19 or 18, depending on the province. Yeah, here it's 18. Wild. Yeah. Wild. Look at all those. I mean, you only have a tenth of the population, so I guess you got to get it younger. Yeah, we really do. We really do. <laughs> and I mean, it's so fucking cold up here. That sounded like something Zeno would normally say. I want to point that out. Why? Oh, come on. You know why. <laughs> so, yeah. No, it depends on the province. Uh, I think uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain in Quebec... Because I, I I haven't bothered checking. I don't I don't work the tasting room, and I am way past a drinking age in any country. But uh, it's uh, I'm fairly certain it's 18 here, <laughs> and because we still have this this weird amalgamation of uh, Canadian U.S. slash French culture, uh, we a lot of the parents here will let their kids drink wine starting at the age of 14. I mean, it's in a weird way we're connected because. I'm we're Cajun down here, and you're you're Acadians, right? You know, it's true. Yeah, yeah. We're the like, same people. Um, yeah. I'm glad that's that's the direction you took it. I thought you were going to say you also give wine to 14 year olds. I was really worried that was how you're going to take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To sleep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just when I think the yeah. inference is bad enough, you just you sell it, Zeno. God, I love you. If you do some research on Acadians too, it's pretty depressing, actually. And you know that's where the <laughs> yeah. word Acadian comes from. It's like I'm like, oh my god, these people were treated terribly. Um, yeah, it's oh, depressing. you made but it sad. Anyways, yeah, well, I make everything sad except for cancer, which you think. are just the light in the room when it comes to cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Plethora of cancer jokes. This this, this is um, the second Colton goes away. Apparently, our content really gets dark, even more so than I thought I could. I'm I'm honestly impressed. Who knew yeah. he was the stabilizing element? Yeah, who knew he would be the one to keep it light? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's great. No, it's great when you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna interview Matt. I'm like, oh awesome. I'm like, this is like an easy catch up for me. It saves me a phone call for a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd hate for you to have to actually call on the phone. But, um. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I will, but like, 
we're close enough now. I mean, if I didn't talk to you for a while, I could just pick up the phone and call you. No, it's, it's totally cool. true. It's totally now, true. Zeno demands that every human contact he has has some sort of like beneficial value to it. So, is this is this how you choose your your interview subjects? You're like Zeno. It's like I haven't talked to that guy in a while. You know what? Let's just yeah. come on the show. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, it's. Oh shit! I owe them. A we phone rotate call. through uh, distilling <laughs> industry friends and his family. That's the other half of the podcast. <laughs> that's that's how it works. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's pretty great. It's pretty great. So okay, if we want to start interviewing my family, I am. I what? already do. What are you talking about? I call them all the time, Zeno. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. So you're in Canada now. Are you going to be there for the long haul? You come back to the states at some point in the future? Uh, which, which so I am. This is this is actually culturally and 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 not to get um, tenuously political here because I know this is a hot topic in the United States, but I am officially an immigrant here, and um, and so I, I'm not saying that I can share the the uh, the typical immigrant experience that you know you might you might see that people from Central America having in the United States. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that at all, but uh, it is interesting to kind of come here as an immigrant and I'm on, a, uh, I'm on a work permit. Um, and it's, it's kind of a funny thing what they do up here. And I, I don't know if they do this in the United States by any means. Um, I, in fact, I don't think they do, but what, what happens is uh, I come up here, I get my work permit, and then I work for a year and okay. about three months. Cause we're kind of going through this right now. Uh, I think it's about 90 days. They have to start advertising my job again, publicly, like, like I'm going to be fired or something. Really? So, um, because okay. they want the, the Canadian government wants to see if, if they will hire a Canadian before they renew my work permit. <laughs> um, Wild. Yeah. And how so, long does that go on for? So that that they have to have the job postings up for I think 60 days, I'm not sure. And then is I that every year for a set number of years? So well, it depends. It depends on the work permit. Mine is a yearly work permit, so but we're we're trying to get a 3-year work permit right now, so we'll we'll fingers crossed. We'll see. Anyway, the the it was kind of funny cuz I I started having friends call me up and you're like, hey, you're, uh, are you you leaving Canada already? I'm like, no, I hadn't planned on it. Why? And they're like, well, you know, your boss just posted for your job. I'm like, that's yeah. You thinking about applying, asshole? Like, I mean, this, I... <laughs> back off. Colton was actually the first person to call me. So <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. Trying yeah, to get that dual citizenship. Well, I know he likes coming yeah. up here for the jazz fest, so uh, it would make sense, right? Uh, it's all about jazz. Yeah, no, it's but uh, anyway, so no, it's a, it's, it's a. Right. I, I would, I would like to stay up here. Um, the my my kids love it. Uh, it's it's actually cheaper. Um, and people are like, oh, you pay so much in taxes. I'm like, yeah, but I don't have to my taxes also include my health insurance. So, you know, um, I think my, my effective tax rate here is only a few percentage points higher than what it was in DC. Um, and in DC I had to pay for healthcare, which yeah, was miserable. So, uh, and it wasn't 
can your kids file for dual citizenship at some point? Do they still yeah, do that? Yeah, so what they can do, it really, like if we become Canadian citizens, it really doesn't benefit us all that much. It benefits the kids. And what it does is it allows them to go to school um, easily in either country. Uh, so I, we have we have friends that uh, send their kids to McGill University in Montreal. And McGill is sort of... Canada's version of an Ivy League school, um, and uh, it's. I was I was asking them. I said, "Well, you know, how much, how much does it cost to send a kid to McGill?" And they were like, "Oh, you know, it's it's more than most of the universities in the area. We we pay five thousand a year for it." And I was like, "What?" My jaw just kind of hit the floor. I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Like that's a private school. Um, and you know, we have like college funds set up for them. And I, Brian, I don't know if you've done this with your children, but um, the, the rule is, is if they decide not to go to college, that's totally fine. I support their decision, but I'm taking that college money and daddy's buying a hot tub. So <laughs> no, anytime we get college money in from family, I take the kids to the local casino and I let them like pick, you know, red or black. And then that's the only involvement they get. I thought you gambled the ride. kids. That's what I <laughs> <laughs> I stopped doing that after 20 or 30. I mean, the return on it is just not worth it. I mean, wait, wait. So you're telling me people send you money for your kids? I know. I know. It's, it's a total racket. Yeah. We set up like a, there's a college fund that helps like alleviate some of the tax burden on some of it. And so, I mean, still, I'm terrified of the idea of trying to send three kids to college. I'm hoping my, my goal is either my kids are going to be smart enough to get scholarships or dumb enough that they won't want to actually go to college. So I don't want anything in between. That's my goal with my kids. Yeah. But you're painfully average. Yeah. Sorry. I know. I know. That's my biggest fear is that they're going to just turn out like me, just mediocre in everything I, I, I do, except for how they look, which is just stunning. I, I did not really understand why I was hurting so much right now, but you're right. It is painful. How average. <laughs> I was like, that's what that feeling is. Um, well, Amanda's pretty exceptional. Yeah, she is pretty good. She she definitely brings up the average. Man, I, I hope you... you you sound like you're enjoying it there, but pretty much everywhere you go, you seem like you make the best of it. No, we try to. I love DC too, but uh, no, that was that project kind of kind of wound down, and this was this was a nice thing to take on. And uh, no, I, I I like these guys. I, I like the company. I like sort of what their goals are. They're they're not really thinking in single terms of you know like oh we want to be the best you know so-and-so or this or that or whatever, you know, this, this, uh, yeah. You know, and if I, if I say I need something, they make sure it's taken care of. It's, it's very simple. And I don't have to deal with uh, regulatory paperwork anymore. So yeah, there's a dream. Yeah. Uh, I do not miss that part of the job. So, uh, so yeah, no. And you know, they, they let me do, uh, they let me do all my teaching and my writing and my consulting and, uh, you know, my traveling and, and all that stuff, they, they, they're cool with all that. So that's, that's been, that's been fantastic. So. So I got, I got two more questions for you. They're real quick. So one, are you going to come to any conferences? Are you going to go to ADI or ACSA this year? So, uh, the plan, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still debating. I would like to go to ADI this year because I know it's, it's in your neighborhood. Um, 
Right, you can stay with me. I know, I know. It's uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, I'm 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 kind of torn. I have to kind of talk to the talk to the bosses about it. The uh, I've I've been interview. I've been sort of discussing a lot of things with with Bill Owens, working on a uh, a couple of things for him, uh, which uh, hopefully a hopefully a book is in the works for him actually. Um, but with with that, you know, he was like, oh, you can you can come give a talk. But in 2021, I'm like. Okay. Um, but, uh, I know the one conference I'm going to go to this year is because it's only, it's only every two years is the, um, the worldwide, uh, distilled spirits conference in Glasgow. Um, so I'm going to be in Glasgow in May. Uh, That's the, that's the big IBD conference. And, um, well, I'll probably see you there too. Yeah. Oh, you're going to come to that? Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's where Gordon's from. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that's that's actually a good point. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. No, well, yeah, I think uh, the two two of the uh, two of the other board members are coming with me, and uh, we were talking about going around and touring some distilleries, and uh, probably probably going up to Spaceside. I was just in Spaceside a few weeks ago, actually, for a meeting, and uh, toured a few places there. But I was like, oh, you know, we should go back. I mean, it's a lot of fun, and you know, not that February in Spaceside's you know, really nice, but I mean, it'd be fun. So. All right. And then my other question is, is, uh, so if you have your two weeks that you can just fuck around and do whatever you want, what is it? What are you planning? Oh yeah. So that's, well, (laughs) yeah. Uh, that is sort of the million dollar question. If I have time to do, I guess that's the big question is if I really have time to take that two weeks, uh, um, it's going to change from year to year. Uh, and apple brandy was definitely at the top of my list um there is some there is some really cool history up here uh and i mentioned this earlier about this the the quebec being associated with new england states and the united states and you know their food and beverage history there's a really neat rum history here as well yeah yeah um and so uh i've been talking with uh Maggie Campbell about that a little bit and and she's uh she's kind of pushing me to uh not pushing me but you know she was uh, uh she was she was kind of like oh yeah you should do some rum up here and and she was setting me up helping helping me find like good suppliers for for molasses and everything so she's been she's been really supportive um but yeah so we're we're kind of toying with that um I'm doing some liqueurs and things like that on the side uh just for our tasting room we this 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 sort of French culture up here they really like their liqueurs and they drink them straight or with ice or whatever they don't they don't typically do a lot of cocktails so we're uh we're doing a, a fairly traditional mint liqueur and we're doing a uh a, a, a creme de cacao like a chocolate liqueur and i found a really awesome uh chocolatier in in montreal that that uh, i bought a bunch of their their very fancy peruvian uh, uh chocolate beans from and messed with those and so yeah, i mean there's there's all kinds of interesting things and I'm, I'm digging through some old distillery textbooks too and um trying to get some ideas for some old uh, liqueur recipes but yeah we're i mean we're actually having quite a bit of fun with the liqueur thing uh, which was not an avenue i think when i started distilling that i thought i would ever go down because i think i think some distillers kind of look at liqueurs like oh it's sweet stuff like uh, you know it's, it's low alcohol and it's sweet like that's not cool but 
I don't know. I, I actually kind of enjoy doing it. I think they're quite challenging to do correctly. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of creativity that can go into it. Yeah, there's a lot of creativity that can go into it. And, and the, the balance, I mean, you, you start adding sugar to the equation to get the balance right. It's, it's incredibly difficult. Um, so we've been, and if they sell, that's an other, that's another added plus. Yeah. 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 No, that's a big thing. I mean, we've been really pleased with the results so far and, and we're moving forward with them and, and going to be bottling our first, uh, our first liqueurs in the next month or two. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been interesting. I, I, I like that part of it. Um, but yeah, no, we've, I've also talked about doing maybe some bitters as well. Um, Italian style bitters, but there's already a couple guys up here doing that. So I'm not sure if I really want to go down that path just yet, but uh, we'll see. Okay. Well, check your calendar and find out when we can all come visit you. You can come visit me tomorrow. All right. We're on our way. Wait, really? <sighs> you don't sound like... <laughs> That was both. That was both because I'm exasperated. You don't sound and, like uh, you're moving. And <laughs> and uh, and uh, final thoughts. Does Zeno existing takes a lot of energy? It really does. <laughs> Even for me. Like, yeah. Yeah. You guys have no ex- have no idea how exhausting it is to be in that head. Um, <laughs> I'm not even joking about that. That's the sad <laughs> truth. Um, so I want to I want to keep it light with our final thoughts, um, Matt. I know you were a gamer. We've connected on that on several occasions throughout how many ever years uh-huh. we've each other now. But uh, I know that you have the kids too. But are you getting time to play games? And if so, I don't really get time to. I, yeah, that's the thing. I don't really get time to do much in the way of hobbies these days. Um, I uh, and it's 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 the same thing. Like I, I think a lot of a lot of people that probably listen to this podcast can can probably empathize. I know you guys definitely can. The you have a new company and you're working all the time. So by the time I get home, I'm like I, you know. I, I hang out with the kids for like an hour, you know, make sure, you know, hang out with them during dinner and we do bath time and get them into bed and then it's done. But I will say holidays are upon us. I just bought a brand new TV. So I am hoping to sit down and relax and finally really maybe play some games or, or at the very least watch a movie. <laughs> but we'll, We'll see. Nerd yeah, out, man. We'll see. Enjoy it. Fair enough. I've been playing Jedi Fallen Order, and it's been great because I'm a huge Star Wars. I've heard guy. lots of good things. I've been uh, when I, when I can. I've been I've been eking out uh, nice. uh, Dishonored, the second Dishonored game. Actually, I've been, um, but that's yeah, that's that's pretty rare that I get to sit down with it. So it takes it takes me months okay. to finish a single game. I figured as much. Are you are you playing music anymore? Do you still get to do that at all? No, no, no. Uh, I don't really do that. Um, but uh, I have actually because I, I I started working on this book. Um, I I have decided to take up the a new hobby, and so I I've started to work on teach myself how to how to do photography. Which if anybody saw my photos, that was a you know an actual photographer. They probably laugh me off my camera, but, uh, no, I've been, I've been 
trying to teach myself how to do photography. And so I've, I've been, so when I went to Scotland a couple of weeks ago for, for an IBD meeting, I was, went there for a few days uh, sort of before the meeting and I toured a bunch of distilleries and tried to get a bunch of photos. And, uh, and that was, that was a lot of, that was a lot of fun. So that, that has been an interesting hobby, uh, especially with, you know, the Canadian wilderness and everything. There's no shortage of, of things to take photos of. Um, and I guess my kids too, you know, whatever, but, uh, you know, <laughs> um, God, you're such know. an adult picking up new skills, I taking know, care of your family. A, God, it's kind of fucked up really, man. I just, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I never thought I'd be doing that. I, I don't think, I don't think my parents ever thought I'd be adult enough to do that. So, um, <laughs> They still probably don't. No, <laughs> no, I, I certainly don't. They like they like my kids a lot more than they like me. So. I mean, that's the only reason parents keep their kids around is because they know they get to I, actually appreciate and enjoy I, your grandkids at I some point. Guarantee you, that's it. That's so. definitely it. That's definitely it. I, I'm pretty sure my parents kept me around mainly so they could do the classic. So you get it now, right? And they can just see in my eyes. Like I won't give them the satisfaction, but they know that I know. And yeah. Fuck. All parents get it at some point. <laughs> oh, it burns, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, anyway, not that anyone asked me, but I've been playing Borderlands 3, so that's my go-to right now. I've heard that's a blast, too. Yeah, it's, uh... it, it, was, it was an open question, all right? No. You know, everyone, no. Final thoughts is for everyone. Stop being so sensitive, Sally. Fuck. <laughs> I have feeling. Yeah. I don't have feelings, actually. I don't. I've... I've heard about them. I've read about them. They're not for nah, me. I don't that's... like them. That feeling, yeah, that feeling that you have—that's cancer. <laughs> <laughs> me and the rats. Yeah. And with that, uh, I love you, dummies. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs>